Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to this episode of the Keen Odyssey 2. Uh, this is part 5. And we ended the last episode where Roy was about to play in the FA Cup final, that ill-fated 1991 FA Cup final where Paul Gascoigne fucked everything forever mm. uh, it was Brian Clough's last chance to win the FA Cup the trophy that had eluded him throughout his career and um, on the day you know the biggest match of Roy's career so far you would say he um, he spent a lot of the day in a bit of a flap trying to track down tickets for friends and family members so weird this is fascinating too isn't it he said the biggest thing about getting to a cup final is the amount of pressure you come under for tickets and he, mm. he writes about how it got to him and it got inside not many things get inside his mind he's always like he's mentally strong he's focused on the game Yeah. in both volumes of the books that we've read about him this is the only time he admits other than Yaffle that anything outside of his focused professionalism yeah. got in the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, he says, our ticket allocation of 20 was guaranteed to cause everyone grief. Friends, family, relatives, anyone who'd ever done you a favour or had ever done a favour for any of your friends, family or relatives, mm. all wanted a cup final ticket. It was life or death, a considerable burden on players facing an important football match. It shouldn't mm. be like that, should it? It shouldn't, but do you know what? It won't be anymore. If you get into cup final now, no one gives a fuck. No, they don't. But then in 91, I remember vividly that Spurs-Forest cup final. Mm -hmm. It was really exciting. Exciting mainly because of Gaza on one side, Clough on the other. Yep. Um, two sort of attacking teams. It was really exciting. Of course you'd want a ticket. Whoever huge, you were, you would wanted a ticket. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, who gives... If someone said to you, Andy Dawson... I've got a couple of tickets for the FA Cup final. Yeah. There's a chance you might say yes and see if your son wants to go, but you'd fucking look at your diary first if and I think, what else have I got and on? And then, of course, you've got to look at getting home afterwards because they put the freaking thing on yeah. at 5.15 or whatever now. Exactly. It doesn't help anybody. Um, I mean, I watched the, the, uh, the, what was it, the Carabao Cup. Yeah. See, I can't even remember what it's called. I know. That was last Sunday and that was, that was a damn squib. Yeah, you know nobody wanted to be there. I, I know City fans that didn't go because I'd have been gutted if I'd gone to that. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I might have just left. I mean, Sunderland got to the final of it five years ago. Did they? I don't we, even remember. Yeah, we beat, we got beat from Man, from Man City three one. Right, but we 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 turned London red and white. Did you for the whole weekend? Well, that's a, that's the fun part. It's not the game. The it's not the game. It's just going going to Wembley having your day out or your weekend out yeah but um, yeah this really got to Roy in a big way didn't it yeah uh, he says all in total he had requests for 45 tickets 
even then I was bound to make enemies, which I kind of think he probably enjoyed that, <laughs> that element to it. He could thin out <laughs> I the I saw ranks. it as a great opportunity to make more enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by this time, I was quite popular. I had f- far too many friends. I saw this as a good opportunity to thin out the ranks somewhat and <laughs> get the numbers down and get a few people against me that I could use in the future. To channel my rage. It's the... My abiding memory of my first football major football occasion concerns the scramble for precious tickets. Everyone was coming from Cork. And, uh, oh, it, it goes on and on. He says, the problem would persist, indeed become perhaps the biggest single source of anxiety, a recurring feature of my life when I moved to Manchester United. Fucking hell. So forever and ever he's had this... this the burden. fucking tickets! Everyone, I go to sleep, I see tickets. <laughs> I shut my eyes all I can hear is someone on the phone saying I need tickets for the game do you remember the advert for the access credit card where the little credit card used to walk around with the legs and everything and <laughs> chat to people it was like that but I had a big ticket in my head and it had legs and it was coming at me swinging trying to take me belts he wasn't friendly like the wee access no, man was he was ang- the opposite it's angry tickets this is cast was long before the days that Yaffel got inside my dreams. He was very much the precursor to that. Proto Yaffel. Yes, that's what I call him. Mr. Ticket, his name was. <laughs> oh, Mr. Ticket, is that you haunting my dreams again? <gasps> Go on, fuck off! I'm coming for you, Roy. And behind me, there's 60 people who all want a piece of me. But uh-huh. there's only one of me. What you gonna do? Who you gonna disappoint, Roy? Who you gonna disappoint this time? Fuck Your off. mommy! Your mommy! Fuck off, Mr. Ticket! So, yeah. Um, and then he said I begged and scrounged every ticket I could lay my hands on two hours before the game the ticket crisis was still a major preoccupation his brothers Dennis and Johnson still had no tickets hello Roy it's me Dennis yeah we're Johnson we're outside Wembley now you know where do we pick up the tickets do we just let ourselves in we just walk in <laughs> the fellas on the door saying we can't come in we told them we're your brother like but he doesn't seem to care can you have a wee word with him he says maybe I'd cop a couple of spare tickets at the last minute in in the end I got my hand on one spare ticket but one was not enough I had £900 in cash in my pocket four weeks wages fucking hell he says fuck it I thought I'll give it to the lads and they can buy two off the ticket touts I gave my brothers the money and prayed they'd find a tout uh, I reckon they went down the boozer with that yeah I would I wouldn't watch it in the telly do you know now we got this money Jansen I'm starting to think <laughs> to myself do we want to see the game I mean it's good I, I don't know I haven't got high hopes for it and this could buy a, a lot of drinks for us maybe some of the pals as well I'm we could sh- have a nice steak dinner too I'm not sure we get a very good view of the final from wherever it is that we're going to be we might be right at the back whereas <laughs> if we were in a pub down the road we could stand right in front of the TV and get a good look at it and get a couple of drinks maybe in us well maybe, I'll tell you maybe what maybe a couple of pints of St Clemens I tell tell you what while we're talking all this we could be sat in a pub wetting our whistles so let's go now because I've got an awful first on I've got a fierce thirst on we go down we get ourselves a couple of St Clements and we'll talk it over plan some kind of strategy we'll talk it over because it's not a decision we should make lightly now our Roy has given us all this money but Dennis the kickoffs are 25 minutes (laughs) no 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 no, Johnson don't worry about that Johnson you can't rush into decisions like this we could be letting down our brother for life we don't want to waste this £900 we've been given (laughs) let's take it seriously now you're acting like a baby now let's get to the pub and start thinking about how to spend this money how would Roy if he was in if Roy was still alive how would he want us to spend this money he is alive he's just through that door there he's about to play in the event cup final you know what I mean Dennis what would Roy want that's what we have to ask ourselves god that's what we ask ourselves every day now isn't it since we started this series of podcasts what would Roy do what would Roy want 
He says, 45 minutes before kickoff, I finally started preparing for the game. As I began to change, suddenly two tickets appeared. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> but were they real? I didn't know. I grabbed for them and it was tin air. I was like one of those fellas who's been in the desert for weeks on end and suddenly he sees an oasis. It was a ticket oasis. I was hallucinating. It was Mr. Ticket. He's flying around in front of my head. I said to Mr. Clough, Oh, Mr. Clough, Mr. Clough, Mr. Ticket's here. Now, young man, you're seeing things again. I've seen this happen before. This happened before the European Cup final in 1978. <laughs> Gary Bertel started seeing tickets, and I'll tell him what I, I tell you what I told him then. Get your fucking head in the game, Irishman. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Claw. And then he come over and he punched me in the face. <laughs> and Mr. Ticket went away. <laughs> he punched Mr. Ticket as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only man I know who'd be brave enough to punch a ticket, especially an imaginary one. That's why I loved him so much. <laughs> The King Odyssey. Yeah, it was that big final, and um, he says the crowd was noisy. Clough was marching jauntily ahead of us, holding Terry Venables by the hand. Yeah, Do you remember I remember that? that's fucking great. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Total fucking. And, uh, like, and to do it to Terry Venables of all, because <laughs> it's Venables a big power play, because he's, he's looked yeah. to Terry Venables and singing, he's one of the few other managers in the game yeah. who's almost as. Charismatic, charismatic as me yeah. so how can I diffuse his lovable Del Boy Trotter style demeanour <laughs> fucking easy I'm going to hold the cunt's hand as we come out of the tunnel yeah you know, oh hello Cluffy oh what are you doing hey just go with it they'll tell <laughs> and of course the thing is it's on It's on TV the cameras are picking up so Venables brushes him away it's yeah, a story it would, so it's, it's a story with it, hasn't yeah it? because Venables like to be a nice guy as yeah. well and Clough was a lot older than him so the whole thing would have just looked awful so he just had to hold his hands and grin <laughs> fucking sensational if in doubt Clough always turned to home erotica it's like that time when uh, he'd punched that fan on the pitch and then he had to apologise to him Yeah, a couple of days later and he gave him a kiss didn't he or yeah. he got the fan to give him a kiss or something he like that he was often kissing reporters as well Yeah, now come here and give us a kiss yeah so uh, Roy says I was wondering as we walked up the tunnel had Dennis and Johnson got their tickets <laughs> somewhere in the back of my mind there was a nagging concern about friends and acquaintances I hadn't fixed up unbelievable but true if you watch the game, about 20 minutes in, you'll see me. I'm nowhere near the ball. The ball's up the opposite end of the pitch, and I suddenly run and launch into a two-footed tackle into thin air. Guess who I was tackling? Mr. Ticket. Because <laughs> in my mind, he'd got onto the pitch and was still back with me. This fella's not here. This fella's not here, Roy. And do you know why? Because you wouldn't make me available to them. You've fellas them you've known for years. Fellas back from your home days. Back in Cork. Fellas that you think you're bigger than now. Is that it? Fellas that would run into traffic for you. They'd lie down in front of an aeroplane for you or a tank or something equally dangerous and you've let them down forever and ever and ever. Can you hear that, Roy? That's your mammy crying. Because she knows that now you're in Nottingham with your fancy Nottingham ways. You think you're too good for her. And that's why she's not at the game, Roy. Isn't it a shame? Fuck off! And I tried to break his legs. Then I realised it was all just a figment of imagination. Spending too much time in them big city nightclubs and the Robin Hood Visitor Centre <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Who do you think you are? Robin Hood himself? The Prince of Nottingham? Well, you're not. You're still just a pipsqueak from Cork. And he talks about the, the problems that he had adapting to being a, a well-known celebrity after that first big season at Forest. He says, at 19, I'm afraid I wasn't ready for the role of well-known person. 
On the contrary, I resolved to challenge what I regarded as an assault on my natural inclinations. That's Dunphy talking, isn't it? (laughs) That's a Dunphy sentence. I wouldn't play the fame game. I kept breaking my vow to steer clear of Cork City to enjoy myself. I wouldn't forsake my family and friends and become a well-known zombie. Can you imagine that? Roy Keane is a zombie. Fucking hell. After six weeks of partying in the close season, I returned to Nottingham a stone overweight. As always, pre-season training was murder, but the weight came off pretty quickly. And he gets a new contract from Brian Clough. Uh, £700 a week. Plus a 15 grand signing on fee. Now, he's one of the most highly regarded young players, possibly the most highly regarded young player in the country at the time. And he's on 700 quid a week. I know. And what's that in a year? That's what, 35 grand a year? 35 grand a year. Fucking hell. Just pre... No, not pre... Yeah, just pre-Premier League. Just going into the first Premier League season. Yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't long before other clubs came calling because they no doubt knew the predicament he was in. Just going back to him saying he spent a whole summer partying, six weeks partying, Mm. I can't quite imagine Roy Keane partying. There's references to it throughout this book, not so much in the the second book, which we've Mm. done before, when he's much more all about, you know, being uber professional mm-hmm. and not trying not to drink stuff. But in this book, it's a lot of stuff references to partying, but he's never specific. And you sort of think, what can you imagine him in a disco dancing? No. Oh, I love this one. Rock the board, don't rock the board, baby. Rock the board, don't push the board over. Rock the board, don't rock the board, baby. Fucking love this song. Hey, DJ, I got given up by KC and Sunshine Band. <laughs> well, stick it down play- then. I know you played it 10 minutes ago. I want to hear it again. <laughs> I want to play it twice in a row now. Did you not see me throw some shapes there when you had it on before? Dennis, you had any of that there ecstasy on you? Oh, it's absolutely delicious, so it is. <laughs> Very Moorish. Yeah, imagine him dancing, spinning. I, I, just, can I can't see it. Roy Keane's definition of partying would be kind of standing with a drink in each hand, because he talked about Bacardi and Cokes, didn't he, in the last yeah. Standing with a Bacardi and Coke in each hand and just staring <laughs> intently, yeah. not moving. Yeah. Not not you know, in the way that a normal person would in a pub, they'd be t- moving from side to side, yeah. chatting to people. Yeah. He'd just be standing there on the periphery, staring intently with his eyes bugging out of his head. Did uh, uh, do you think shiny shirt? In those shiny days? shirt undone, three buttons down. Yeah, uh, like one button would go kind of each hour yeah. as the night went on. I was be, getting a bit sweaty. Yeah, aftershave. My armpits will be just fucking. Yeah, you see the patches. Uh, bit of aftershave. Aftershave, very rudimentary. Pack of Raban. Probably if that. <laughs> Blue Stratos Probably something more like that Yeah And uh, Yeah Yeah You can ring my bell <laughs> Ring my bell Ring ding ding Ring a ding a ding I'm coming out <laughs> Street life It's the only life I know Street life First I was afraid I was petrified <laughs> <laughs> a good album, that. Lovely stuff. Roy Key sings the, the, the gear disco classics. Oh, wouldn't it be great? New from KTEL. Roy <laughs> Keane sings the legends of disco. <laughs> you make me feel <laughs> mighty real. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Good stuff. So he talks about Jack Charlton. Uh, and I've, I've just basically put in our list of notes we've got here of categories and <laughs> sections in the podcast. I've just put Jack Charlton prick. Prick, yeah. Because he just seems to regard Charlton as a prick. 
You're a prick, Charlton. Put that in. He's, Dumpy, he's, just write that down. Well, we have to lend it a bit of context. No, you don't. People don't know a, what I mean. We've got a word count here. here right? You know, we can't just be putting out people's names and then oh, a single word insult about them. Just put prick. Jalapeño. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. He, um, he talks about um, meeting up with the island team quite a lot and um, completely complains about the substandard pitch at Lansdowne Road. Jack Charlton never seemed particularly upset by the state of the plane surface. He says, on the contrary, he seemed to believe it would upset the, the opposition more than us. The bog-like pitch would suit our style of play. The fact we possess good footballers, more than capable of matching the visiting European sides, did not seem to be a belief Charlton shared. They had some really good players in that team at the time, didn't they? They had like. Who, Forest? No, Red Island. Oh, Island, yeah. Well, that Ray was Hampton. that was a golden age, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, Niall Quinn up front. Niall Quinn was always more than just a target man. <laughs> Kevin um, Sheedy yeah. probably still going. Um, Paul McGrath still going at the back. Yeah. Really. Do- dog boy Terry Phelan. Dog boy. <laughs> Dog boy Terry Phelan, he was good, and um, and of course uh, the young Dennis Irwin. Of course, yeah, young bland Dennis Irwin mm. with a cardigan underneath his island shirt. Before he'd started his chain of Dennis Irwin themed restaurants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was probably still quite young then, and he still had a bit of um, a bit of something about him before it was all knocked out of him. As he got older. What you mean? He still would have had maybe butter on his bread in the butter morning. Butter on his bread, yeah. He probably um, put a little bit of um, a little bit of squash in his water, like just yeah. a drop of lemon barley water or something. Yeah, he'd, he'd, have, he'd use coloured pencils in his colouring book yeah. instead of just grey, yeah, grey pencil. Nowadays, I've heard from people who know him that when he gets his colouring books, he's still into them. Yeah, but it's gone a step further since he retired, and he opens the colouring book and just stares at the pictures. Right, he doesn't colour them in. Really? No, neither with colour nor normal pencil he just likes to read them like you or I would read books <laughs> he just looks at he colouring. reads the picture he, re- he just Does looks he at colouring in books and someone goes Dennis you're not going to do any colouring you got your pencils you've not even touched them oh no I wouldn't <laughs> want to ruin the book I just like to look at the shapes and in my mind I imagine what they'd look like if they had colour in them I tried to put myself in the mind of the of the, the young fella who, who devised this book and put the line drawings together. Would he really want his lovely line drawings to be sullied by, by some, some coloured pencils from a stranger? I don't think so. I don't think when he put this colouring book together, I don't think he really wanted it to be coloured in. So I won't be doing that. I used to in my wilder days, of course. I remember when I had the full set of Karen Dash pencils. But that was crazy times. <laughs> I've been through a lot of personal development since then. <laughs> he gets uh, he gets back to Jack Charlton and he says, um, I found it impossible to relate to him as a man or a coach. And then he moves on to Morissette's Jack's number two, oh, which he regularly does. Yeah. Uh, another barb here. As for Morris Setters, I was never sure what his role was. He did, however, keep Big Jack supplied with chewing gum. (laughs) 
Morris Setters, just put cunt there, Dunphy. Biggest letters you can type. I tell you what, though, you say what you want about Morris. If you ever run out to double mint, he was your man. <laughs> uh, back at Forest, he's uh, complaining about his teammates, and he says too many of them felt the world owed them a living. Oh, yeah. Turning up for training in the morning, having a laugh and a moan for a couple of hours before going back to the comfort of their homes, out shopping, or straight to the golf club. Well, that, what he's describing is just the life of a footballer. Yeah, I mean, it's he's a charmed saying, life, isn't it? He's fucking footballers. Yeah. They turn up, they train, then they go and do other things. The, the, the damn training are playing football. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's. If you're a footballer, you're only contractually obliged to be at training at most mm. clubs until lunchtime. Yeah. Then you're free to do what you want to do, and then you turn up on match day. Yeah. That's how it fucking works. It's not enough for Roy. It's not enough for him. It's not enough. Stay on the pitch. The afternoons, they should be, yes, they should be out on the pitch voluntarily, just wandering around, getting used to the dimensions and everything. Get, becoming <laughs> familiar with the grass, wandering around the city ground. Get to know every blade of grass by name. That's what I would have done. Run. Run up and down. I'd, t- I'd go into the city ground. They tried to stop me. The groundsman would say he didn't want anyone running on the pitch during the week. I would get him out of the way. I'd do whatever I had to do. And then I'd get a, a big stick. And I would throw the stick for myself. And I'd throw it as far as I could. And then I would run after the stick. And I would pick it up in my teeth. And I would run back to where I started. And I'd do that again and again and again until it was too dark to carry on. And sometime I'd, I'd bend over on all fours and I'd walk around and I'd eat a little bit of the grass, chew it up there, chew it up nice and good so I could, I could become part of the pitch. And the groundsman would come and shout at me and make me cough it up and hit me on the back. And then I'd go over to the corner flag and I'd cock my leg and I'd do a little piss. It made me feel good. And that way I knew that I'd marked my territory. So when the away team came on a Saturday, they, they were intimidated, me. they could smell it. And uh, one time I... Uh, do you know what I did? You, you know, I had an awful bad itching in my ass, so I got on my ass and I sort of dragged myself along using my hands on my ass. You know, I like you see the doggies do. I did that on the pitch, and it, yeah, looking back, it was a strange thing to do, but. I played well that weekend and I don't know whether or not that played a role. It was something that I often thought about doing at Old Trafford as well but Fergie didn't stand for that kind of nonsense. I stopped doing it at Forest one time when Mr Clough came on the pitch and he was on all fours as well and he looked like he was going to try and hump me. And I, I, thought, I thought, this has gone too far. Now come here young man, I am going to hump you now. I did this to Trevor Francis just after signing him and he, and he went on to be one of the greatest players of his generation. If it was good enough for him, it was good enough for you. <laughs> Irishman. Submit. Irishman, have you ever been humped before? <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he, saw, he, he talks about... Peter Shilton used to love a humping before match day. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't used to go on pre-season tours. We'd just wander around the city ground pitch on all fours. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the living dale outside of each other. <laughs> Won me one league championship and two European Cups, Irishman. <laughs> what have you won? Nothing. Now, bend over. <laughs> He's complaining about the players. He says, after good results, they wallowed in the glory. When the results went the wrong way, they blamed someone else. This pissed me off. I'm certain my late arrival in the game was a decisive influence on my own attitude to Brian Clough to everything really I was hungrier than most though not hungrier than Stuart Pearce <laughs> <laughs> he defers only I think to Stuart Pearce 
in this book. I don't think there's anybody else in the world of football ever. Dumpy, Dumpy, just write this. Everyone apart from Sure Pace is a prick. <laughs> write that down. And then we can cover off the whole part of this career like that. <laughs> Well, I don't know now, Roy. I think we're going to need more than that your memories of your Forest days. That's my memory. Everyone's a prick apart from Stuart Pearce. Players mourned about him too. Fuck off Pearce, they'd whine when he demanded more in training or a match. They whispered he was a tight bastard with money. Brackets. He was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he must have changed because he's just been a whole day to North Korea, hasn't he? Exactly, and that can't have been cheap. Exactly. Uh, but so what, he says, we were prepared to do the business and Stuart Pearce led by example. He never demanded anything of anyone that he wasn't prepared to do himself. We're not going to what Stuart Pearce might have done because uh, sometimes we bump into him in the corridors of talk sport, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I know, we're in his domain. Uh, careful. Sam, I've heard what you've been saying on that podcast <laughs> about humping back in the golden age of Nottingham Forest. It's not on. <laughs> You're sullying the memory of Brian Clough. Oh, God. Oh, sorry, Psycho. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Psycho. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah, it's mainly me. Andy, anyway. He got carried away. He's from the north. He doesn't know what he's talking about after all. Andy, Andy, I mean, like, Andy. I'm more of a serious journalist, but Andy just says anything. He's not, he didn't have much of an education. <laughs> he likes to show off. Yeah, I don't like the look of him now, he seemed to say. I thought he talked funny. <laughs> and I knew there had to be some sort of explanation. I don't even think I understood everything he was saying, to be quite honest. Reminds me of my brief spell at Newcastle United. Didn't have a clue what was going on up there. <laughs> And of course, Kenny Dalglish was in charge. He doesn't even speak English. <laughs> um, what's the next bit? We're at? Yeah. Um, again, he's talking about... Uh, he says, the game is full of bluffers. That's mm. my favourite word that Roy Keane uses. Bluffing. Bluffers. He says, banging on about rolling your sleeves up, having the right attitude and taking some pride in the shirt you're wearing. A manager or coach who trades in those cliche generalisations, and there are many of them, is missing the point. Brian Clough dealt in detail, facts, specific incidents, and invariably got it right. I loved it because no less than anyone else, my instinctive reaction was, not me, boss. Brian Clough and Stuart Pearce helped me shed that habit. I lived and learned in that hard school. I think he's he's always spoken about Clough being the sort of um, major influence on him as a player, isn't he? It's that thing, it's that Jesuit thing, give me a boy till the age of seven, I'll give you the man. Mm. But, like, Clough was the... I that, can do that, that at an older he'll, age. He'll he'll do that to you in the first spheres of your career and that'll make yeah. you the player you are. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see when he gets on to Fergie because his two main managers in his life were two of the greatest of all time yeah so it'll be interesting to see what his opinions on him are I mean we know how it ended because we had it in the last book (laughs) (laughs) this is it he talks about being away on a trip with Ireland and um, they lose 3-1 away to the USA and he says for some of the blazers of the Football Association of Ireland this was the life the trip of a lifetime I heard one blazer as he describes them as the less than men (laughs) <laughs> he, he dubs them blazers. Uh, I felt the football was merely an excuse to justify this trip of a lifetime. Uh, on the morning we were due to fly home, Steve Staunton and I went for, for, out for a drink. It was our turn to party now. In fact, we were merely carrying on from the night before. Be the same thing. It'll be a Bacardi and Coke and H and and. Hey, Steve, ripped down to the waist. Do you want a party tonight? Have we got your shiny shirt? Do you want to go to the disco? I got a suitcase full of shiny shirts. If you want to borrow <laughs> one? You catch a pack of band with you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let's party. Doesn't matter, you can have a square to mine. Now we're going to go and find the best disco in town. 
<laughs> says we were late arriving back at the team hotel the rest of the party was sitting in the coach outside Steve and I raced to our rooms to pack our bags as we boarded the coach Big Jack he's put that in inverted commas Big Jack <laughs> started ranting and roaring where the fucking hell have you been <laughs> you kept us all waiting you too why didn't you go without us I shot back I didn't ask you to wait. <laughs> that's a that's a fucking that's a you do it style comeback, yeah. isn't it? Fine, fucking go. Yeah. What? I didn't even fucking expect you yeah, to be I, here. I'll make me all way home. Yeah. I fucking walk. I don't need a fucking lift, you puff. <laughs> he says, in the silence that followed, I looked him straight in the eye. He neither frightened nor impressed me. He was a bully. He didn't like it when the boot was on the other foot. He backed off. Oh, Ooh. power player one. Yeah. Early on as well, nineteen year old Roy Kane. I took my seat at the back of the bus, obviously at the back of the yeah. bus. Sitting on the Everyone, back. get out the fucking way. <laughs> I sit at the back. The back seat in the middle. You're right out of order, you. Looking up, I saw Mick McCarthy, Captain Fantastic himself, glaring down at me. Go and fuck yourself, I told him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. This is the start of something <laughs> that it, ends a decade later in Saipan. And obviously he writes about it later in the book, but he's just dropped that in there. This yeah. is where it starts. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Imagine that, a 19-year-old saying it to the captain. And of yeah. course, Mick McCarthy, the main thing I remember about him as a player was he was prematurely grey. Mm. So that said it all. I mean, he was an inti- and he looks like that eagle bloke from um, the Muppets as well, doesn't Sam he? Sam the Eagle. Yeah, he looks yeah. like Sam the Eagle with grey hair. So he's not someone. He's an intimidating presence, mm. and you know, Roy Keane's just a young whippersnapper. Well, of course, go fuck yourself. Of course, Roy wouldn't have seen him as being an Irishman because he was from Barnsley, wasn't he? Mick McCarthy. Go fuck yourself, you fucking eagle man. You're right out of order. Right proper out of order. <laughs> Go and fuck yourself. <laughs> Captain Fantastic. Again, he's put that in. Captain Fantastic. Covers. Captain Fuck My Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Content Fucktastic or something. <laughs> fuck off. Leave me alone. My head's throbbing. I've been listening to fucking disco music all night. <laughs> Gary Gina, Sylvester, <laughs> Randy Crawford. <laughs> Art, Wind and Fire. <laughs> the lot. Cool and the gang. <laughs> All of them guys. Oh, my God. My head is ringing. <laughs> oh, God. I've been chafed by my shiny shirt. The last thing I need is you, you daft, eagle-looking cunt. Fuck off, Coming granddad. over and telling me <laughs> with your fucking grey hair. Looks the colour of one of my fucking shirts. Hey, Stanton. <laughs> don't you... What does his hair look like? It looks like one of my shiny shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of that time when um, Alan Pardew had a run in with Pellegrini. Oh, yeah. on the touchline and yeah. called, called him an old cunt yeah fuck off you old cunt and the, the, the age gap between them is eight years yeah <laughs> mind you that I mean Pards who obviously deems himself to be an extremely attractive man 40 year going on 29 yeah he um, he you can forgive him because as we've said about Pellegrini he does he does look older than he actually yeah. is I mean he looks around four or five hundred years old. Yeah, well, he should have called him an old-looking cunt then, shouldn't he? Should have been yeah. more accurate. Yeah, yeah. You fucking prematurely <laughs> old-looking cunt. <laughs> fucking oh. tree-faced freak. Fine. Mm-hmm. Valid observation. <laughs> Touché. Touché, parts. It's true what you once claimed about yourself. <laughs> you are the king of banter. <laughs> right, we'll wrap it up for this episode because... Uh, 
it begins in the next one with this, his final season at Nottingham Forest contract negotiations getting tapped up by Blackburn uh, a fight with the hockey team in Jersey uh, Brian Clough Hayden from Graham Taylor and um, lots lots more and that will come in part six next week until then go fuck yourself you prick Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.